Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back for week 12 of the 2023-2024 NBA season on a Monday. And uh, since it's a Monday, we're, of course, jo- joined by uh, our co-host, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing well, Karsten. I had a long day at work today. Got home like 8 o'clock, so that was uh, not ideal, but Mondays tend to be that way, so... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love that. I uh, yeah. with my I recently started a new job. By the way, yeah, I'm Karsten. Welcome to the show. Forgot to introduce myself, but um, yeah, the new job I started. Uh, we're get our busy season is gonna be kind of this next month in February, uh, or a first portion of our busy season. So, uh, from what I hear, longer nights and some of that kind of stuff, getting home late. So. That'll be interesting. Looking forward to that. Um, not really, but um, for those of you who have listened previously, you can already probably tell from my voice. Um, I'm a little bit sick again, uh, saying to why I don't understand why I'm sick again so soon. It feels like it was only a few weeks ago that I was uh, feeling pretty sick, but we're we're going to power through. Um, I've got various uh, potions and such to hopefully help my voice last. Um but that being said, uh, just a quick thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, again, if you've listened previously, uh, we appreciate you. But also, if you're you're a brand new listener to the podcast, uh, thank you so much for for tuning in. And um, of course, we've recently expanded. We're on all sorts of uh, new podcast platforms. We're on YouTube, um, and of course, there's our same social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, to check out uh, some more stuff with the podcast, some, some visuals tied to the segments we do. But, uh, that being said, we'll go ahead and, uh, uh, waste no more time and we'll jump right into things, starting with, uh, our game summaries and our key news from the last weekend of action. All right, we've got a lot of uh, great games to cover, uh, and we're going to start with uh, three games from Friday, and then we're actually going to skip Saturday and talk about two games from Sunday. Of course, uh, this is our five-on-five drill. We pick five uh, key games that we want to focus on a little bit more in detail. Um, We will cover uh, generally the other games that went on, but we're actually going to start with Wyatt. He's going to take it away with our uh, first game of uh, this last weekend of action. Yeah, so uh, we're looking at Friday's games, which the first one we want to talk about is the Pacers versus the Hawks. And this was a pretty uh, exciting game for a variety of reasons. So first of all, the Pacers come out with a win, a quite handy win. Uh, I should say against the Hawks, they beat them 150 to 116. It's a very high-scoring game. Um, and this is actually the third time that the Pacers have scored 150 points or more this season. So uh, that's very impressive. They're leading the league in 150-point uh, games this season. Very impressive from them. Another impressive feat from this game was uh, the fact that the Pacers had... Let me see their total here. It was... More than 50 assists. 50 exactly. 50 assists the uh, 
the Pacers had this game, 18 of them coming from Tyrese Halliburton, uh, and then another 10 from TJ McConnell, and the rest were pretty evenly spread uh, throughout other members of their team. So great performance by the Pacers. Obviously, they worked for this win mm-hmm. and made it happen. Um, but, you know, the and, the and the Hawks are a good team as well. They're right there, close in record, I think. Uh, let's see. Pacers, not not as close as they were at one point. The Hawks oh, have slipped a little yeah, bit. They, they have slipped majorly. Yeah. So uh, I'll redact that last statement because <laughs> – they're not really close at all anymore. <laughs> at so, one point, they were a little bit close for sure. Yeah. So good win for the Pacers, regardless. Uh, not as competitive as a win as I was thinking. But let's let's look at <clears throat> some of the other stat lines for our Pacers friends. Uh, Miles Turner led with twenty-seven points. Uh, he also contributed five rebounds, and he even he put down a couple three pointers too. Ten, uh, two out of three three-pointers, and he shot 71% from the field, so impressive shooting percentage for the big man down low. Uh, Bruce Brown had 17. Benedict Matherin had 18. Halliburton only 10 points tonight, but obviously we talked about how he contributed in other ways already. Um, And Buddy Heald had 11. So, you know, very evenly. Oh, and Jalen Smith had 11 and Aaron Neesmith had 15. So when he's at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in double digits with several people with eight or nine. Um, so great job. Obviously 50 assists is going to equate a stat line like this where lots of people scoring points and uh, you know, when you share the ball that well, so great performance there by the Pacers love to see uh, everyone scoring well. And that's, recipe for winning basketball in my opinion Mm. if we jump over to the hawks we can see a pretty stark difference they only had four in double digits uh dejounte murray led with 30 points uh and then after that's a big drop off to bogdan bogdanovich with 16 Trey young with 13 jalen johnson with 12 uh and then, you know, a couple a couple guys with nine, Clint Capella and Sadiq Bey. But, yeah, really only those four in double digits. If we look at some of their other statistics, uh, the Hawks only had 21 assists compared to the Pacers' 50, so less than half the assists, which is pretty, you know, pretty impressive for the Pacers to have shared the ball that well. And... Uh, obviously they dominated the pace or the Hawks on the assist stat line. Um, you know, they, the Hawks seem to be figuring things out. Um, kind of been one of those seasons, I guess, where they having a hard time getting things, getting the ball rolling, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, to have some of the success that, you know, we expect a, a team like this to have. They really are you know, really have a good, good, some good personnel, just haven't quite found the right groove. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, some of that, uh, of course, there's been kind of an emergent season from Jalen Johnson, but then he had an injury for a few weeks. Um, so that could be a factor, but um, I don't know. I, I 
personally, I don't know if this is at all a reason. To me, I was a little bit skeptical when they made the big move for DeJounte Murray. Not any kind of doubt of his abilities as a player, but getting Murray alongside Trey Young didn't seem like the most seamless of fits. But um, again, I don't I don't know if that could never work. But uh, what we do know is, yeah, the Hawks have struggled. They're winning only about 40% of their games at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they... Uh, what direction they take uh, going into kind of the trade deadline and things like that. But um, just one more comment on the Pacers and and that 50 assists. That is one of only, I believe, 11 such instances in the whole of NBA history that a team has recorded at least 50 assists in a game. So, excuse me, pretty remarkable stat. And yeah, Hawks struggling, but a great win for the Pacers who uh, have – after they were slumping a bit after the in-season tournament, they've picked things back up in a big way. And uh, credit to them, a, a big win for them in that one. Let's yeah, – uh, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to throw <clears throat> They shot 64% from the field as a team. Mm. 64 compared to, you know, the Hawks 43. So that's – Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I look at a team's field goal percentage like crazy often, but that seems – very high yeah it's it's incredibly high i mean uh when a team has you know 50 plus it's like they had a pretty great shooting night uh 63 plus is phenomenal i mean you're gonna need some of that to have all those passes become assists i mean do you think about if they shot 43 percent they'd probably get 35 assists or something like that so um Uh they kind of affect each other simultaneously um, so yeah, the shooting at great percentages along with the assists, um, high octane stuff. And yeah, the Pacers, uh, have been the number one offense in the NBA, at least so far this season, I think offensive rating wise, they've been number one. So yeah, a great win for them again. And, uh, let's go ahead and jump to that next game from Friday night. We're going to talk about the, uh, New York Knicks going into Philadelphia against, um, one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern conference. And beating the Sixers handily, one twenty-eight to ninety-two, your final score uh, for the Knicks. And it wasn't like the Sixers were playing without Embiid. I mean, he was in there. Um, he had another thirty and ten game, which I believe extended it to about fifteen straight games of uh, thirty points, ten rebounds. Um, but the Knicks were just in a groove, and we'll talk about that in just a second with the Knicks specifically. But um, yeah, big big win for them. I mean, it was a close first quarter. They built a big lead going into halftime. Um, the Sixers started to make a bit of a run. And then in the fourth quarter, the Knicks just continued to explode. Um, and it really wasn't uh, much of a contest from there. It was a, a huge win for New York. And when you look at the box score again, yeah. And beat the 30 and 10 with three blocks uh, was, was there was, was very productive. Tyrese Maxey was in there, 27 points, nine assists. Uh, two steals and a block as well. They got 15 points from Kelly Oubre Jr. And after that, maybe that's where you get into the problems for Philly in this game. Outside of those three guys in double figures, no other Sixers scored more than six points. And only you know a handful of other Sixers players even scored in this game. Uh, five points from Tobias Harris, zero points from Nicholas Batum. Um, you know, that's really going to limit your chances, even if you have great games from Embiid and Maxi. So 
definitely a factor for Philly. But then uh, talked about what New York did well, because you got to give them credit to seven players and double figures in this game. Um, they continue to play well, especially after the Onanobi trade. And they play well in spite of missing their starting center, who's out for the season, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, so it's been very impressive to see that from New York. Jalen Brunson led them in scoring 29 points for him. Uh, who's four of nine from three. They got 17 points from Isaiah Hartenstein, who's been starting at center. Two steals and two blocks as well. Uh, six rebounds, five assists. Um, I mean, he's he's just been very solid for them. 14 points for Dante DiVincenzo. 11 points for OG Ananobi. Um, and then off the bench, 10 points, 15 rebounds for Josh Hart. 15 points for Miles McBride. And then 19 points for... Quentin Grimes, uh, Grimes with eight rebounds as well. Uh, Knicks crashing the glass, out-rebounding the Sixers a little bit, about 11 more rebounds in this game. And uh, that was certainly part of the the factor because, I mean, they they shot well, the Knicks did. They shot fairly well. The Sixers didn't shoot well, uh, particularly well as a team. So a, a number of factors. Uh, the Sixers just off despite their stars coming to play. And the Knicks... Uh, Playing a well-rounded team game, and Ananobi, even though the, he only had one steal, no blocks in this game, but his defensive impact, the way he fits alongside Brunson and Randall, who are typically the offensive leaders, despite Randall only having eight points in this game, uh, you know I like that fit very much. We had a prediction, a weekly prediction last week, I believe. Um, I made one about the Knicks being able to vault their way up in the East standings, and uh, they've looked that way so far. Now. There's plenty of time for them to um, not do that, and there's plenty of time for them to do even better than that. We'll have to see what happens, but for the moment, it looks very good for New York and uh, a big win for them against the 76ers and Joel Embiid. And so, great win for them, and I'll go ahead and send it back over to Wyatt. Unless, I mean, Wyatt, you might have other thoughts on this game. Um, so, you know, feel free to share those, but otherwise, you can definitely take it away with that next game. Yeah, just... You know, Embiid's so essential to the Sixers' success. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched I watched the the game against the Jazz. Uh, what Saturday? I yeah, Saturday. It was. And yeah, the Sixers struggle when Embiid is not. You know, I mean, and the Jazz. I'll give them credit; they've been playing uh, pretty well lately, mm-hmm. considering their um, overall season performance. But it, you know, I just I just think that. Joel Embiid is very key to their success, but mm-hmm. you know, obviously, sure. it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough uh, in this game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's jump to the Magic playing in Denver against the Nuggets, uh, and ultimately getting a win on the road uh, with a very close ending. They were leading one twenty-two to one twenty, and uh, Jamal Murray actually had a chance to tie this game about 10 seconds left on the clock and Aaron Gordon passes it into Jokic who uh, kind of hands it off to Murray at the top of the key who dribbles around uh, and dribbles in you know kind of up the left side of the paint and has a couple gives a double teamed but gives a good pump fake and kind of goes up underneath the two defenders and ultimately you know banks it too hard off the glass and Misses the shot, but you know, got the shot off in time, and it was 
at least a, an exciting way to, to finish the game, but ultimately it didn't go in Denver's favor. If we look at kind of the team comparison with these two teams, uh, they're, a lot of their stats are very even. I mean, and the game was uh, actually like Denver had the, the biggest lead. The Magic started out with a little lead, and then Denver led for almost three quarters. Um, with the with the magic finally getting a lead back at the start of the fourth and holding on to that, but Denver led by as much as eighteen uh, near the beginning of the third quarter. They're like, you know, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, all that stuff was quite even. And then you get down to the three point percentage, and the magic absolutely killed the Thunder from the three point line. Uh. Looking at the box score, I believe the Magic had 13, no, 17 successful three-point shots out of 36 attempted, so 47% compared to the Nuggets who who made nine and attempted 33, so they were only 27%, and that's pretty, you know, one, it's hard to beat a team that's shooting that well from the three-point line. And two, it's even hard, like, even more difficult when you are shooting poorly from the three-point line, uh, but still shooting you know, a significant amount of shots in there. Um, but, you know, obviously the Nuggets are a great team, and this was a... Uh, the Magic had to earn this win on the road. Um, and so... You know, you can't fault the Nuggets for uh, losing to this great performance from the from the Magic, including uh, Paulo Banquero recording his first triple-double and earning the title as the youngest Magic player in uh, to have a triple-double in their history. So congratulations to Banquero. He had 11 assists, uh, 32 points and 10 rebounds. Another significant performance on the Magic was Jalen Suggs, who had 27 points, uh, and I, and this was his career high in points, and he shot um, 7 out of 9 from the three-point line, almost 78%, and that was his uh, also his career high in three-point shots. So, great job. Uh, two stellar performances from... Uh, some our magic players here and and young magic stars, uh, rising stars, I should say. So exciting times to be a, a magic fan. Cole Anthony also contributed 23 points and uh, more Moritz Wagner Wagner had 19. So they had what four guys in double digits, uh, which you know wasn't a crazy stellar. Uh, ball sharing game like the Pacers had in our last one I talked about. They only had 25 assists. So, of course, you know, not as many players in, in double digits, but very impressive performance just in a totally different way than the Pacers was. Then looking at the Nuggets, obviously, Jokic had an amazing game 29 points, uh, only eight assists, which obviously that's a lot, but not quite what we tend to see from him. Uh, but also getting three steals and a few rebounds. 
Jamal Murray had 20 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Reggie Jackson contributed 11 points uh, and a few assists and a few rebounds. And Aaron Gordon had 16 points, eight rebounds. And Michael Porter Jr., 22 points, two steals, an assist, and three rebounds. So they had five people in double digits. Uh, so this time, the uh, play, the team with fewer players in double digits takes the victory. I mean, it was only a difference of one player, so can't put too much weight on that. I still think it's all about multiple <laughs> scoring performances. Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, yeah, definitely credit to the Magic in this one. And you know, I've I've talked about Bancaro a, a couple of times on the podcast this year. Um, talked about him a couple times last year as well. Of course, with him winning Rookie of the Year last year, but. Uh, you're probably going to start hearing me pound the table a lot more for Bancaro as an all-star this season, um, especially over the last uh, few weeks. Of course, the Magic have been a much improved team compared to last year, and that's been more of the talking point, the team as a whole, and what they've been doing defensively. Um, but Bancaro's been great, and again, he's continuing to be the the guy that the Magic can lean on. Of course, they have other guys that can contribute for them, but they can lean a little more on Bancaro and he can come up with some of these type of games. And again, to, to have, you know, clutch baskets and be part of a, a winning factor in close games against tough teams like this in regular season play is going to just accelerate that, um, that ascension. And especially once they get into where they hope to go with the, you know, playoff contention, that's going to be even better. So, you know, <clears throat> just love to see that from him again. Congrats on the first career triple double. Great game for Jalen Suggs. Um, but overall, yeah, great win from for Orlando. Um, so that's the, the last game from Friday night we're focusing on. Um, I'll go ahead and jump into our next game, which is going to go. We're going over to last night, Sunday night. And an overtime affair between two teams that have struggled generally this season. Um in kind of the bottom half of the the league in terms of winning, but uh, an exciting one between the Portland Trailblazers and the home team, the Brooklyn Nets, with the Trailblazers coming out on top in overtime, 134 to 127, your final score for Portland. Uh, again, they got the win in this one. And it was a fairly tight game. I mean, the largest lead was 10 uh, by the, the Nets at one point, but otherwise uh, a single-digit lead for the rest of the game. Um, and the Nets led the most. There was a few times where Portland kind of tied it. And then in the fourth quarter, Portland took their first lead of the game. Um, looked like they could maybe snatch the win away. Then uh, Brooklyn hangs on to force overtime, but then uh, Portland was still able to get the win in the overtime period. So it didn't make too much of a difference uh, it, as as far as that goes. For Brooklyn, Mikhail Bridges, uh, a little more of the offensive firepower that we saw from him post-trade last season. If you remember when he got to, to Brooklyn after the, the Kevin Durant trade, um, he looked like an all-star. And he's been good this season, but he hasn't been quite in that, oh, he's got to be an all-star type conversation. But 42 points in this one, um, 57% from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3. That's more what we kind of thought he could be capable of a touch more often. Um, so a great game from Bridges. They also got 17 from Cameron Johnson. 
16 points, 11 rebounds from Nick Claxton, who also had four blocks and two steals. Uh, he continues to be uh, sturdy and consistent as a defensive uh, impact player inside. They got 10 points and 10 assists off the bench from Dennis Smith Jr. I'd like to see his little career renaissance he's had uh, in Brooklyn. And then they got 11 points from Daron Sharp, uh, the second-year big man as well. So um, not a terrible game at all from Brooklyn, especially for Mikhail Bridges. But uh, the Blazers a little bit more well-balanced. Uh, six guys in double figures uh, and five of those with 15 or more points. They were led by Anthony Simons, 38 points, 11 assists, uh, 5 of 10 from 3. Lights out shooting for him. They also got 27 points from Jeremy Grant. He was 3 of 7 from 3. Uh, how about Duop Reith, who is a, a an older rookie? He got 15 points, 13 rebounds, 3 blocks, and he was 3 of 4 from 3-point range. I, I have to admit, I was not familiar with his name at all until he was on opening night rosters and was a part of the trailblazers roster, but I've heard a touch. I believe he's either Australian or played in the NBL in Australia. Um, and again, he's, he's not quite a, you know, a 20 something 21 something rookie. He's a little bit older, but um, credit to him. He's been a, a decent player for the trailblazers this season. Then he also got 10 points from the rookie Scoot Henderson, not to mention 21 points off the bench for uh, the underrated Shaden Sharp this season. He's been maybe Portland's most consistent player this season. Then he also got 18 points from Malcolm Brogdon, who was four of six from three. They shot 52% from three-point range as a team. You compare that to uh, Brooklyn's 37, and that's certainly going to be a bit of a difference maker. Uh, but they, they spread out the offense well. They got big production from guys you wouldn't normally expect it to come from and uh you know give them credit great win for portland um it's easy to ride it off as a bit of a lost season where you have younger talent now and um without your longtime franchise legend who's now in milwaukee you're having to um see what you have on the roster and how that will determine the course of the team going forward but there's a lot to like with these players um, it'll be interesting to see how they structure things going forward, but for the moment, a great win for them in this one. Uh, Wyatt, any thoughts you might have? Otherwise, definitely uh, feel free to take away with our, our last game. All right. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm gonna jump right into the, our final game, which is Sunday's, uh, a later game on Sunday, which is the Lakers against the Clippers. Uh, this was a game that I was paying close attention to because of our fantasy league and the fact that I kind of had a lot riding on this game due to uh, a mistake of leaving a hundred and hundred and some odd points on the bench Tuesday, making my matchup really close uh, down to the wire come Sunday. And I have, you know, LeBron James and, uh, and, my opponent has Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, one of the two, one of their stars and Austin Reeves. So it's kind of this. Oh, and I also have James Harden. So it's like this thing where I was watching this game and hoping for uh, great performances from some key guys and some not so great performances from another. But starting out, the Lakers had a little bit of a lead, but the Clippers dominated most of the 
uh, I shouldn't say dominated. They led by as much as nine. No one ever really got super far away from the other team. But they led until midway through the third quarter when the Lakers took the lead for a minute and then the Clippers got it back and then the Lakers had a pretty handy lead of 10 to begin the fourth quarter. But right toward the end of the game, the Clippers brought it back, tied them, and then uh, the Lakers were able to uh, secure that lead of three to finish uh, the game 106 to 103 in Los Angeles. Great performances from both teams. Um, kind of the key difference that I'm seeing as I uh, like glance over the team comparison is field goal percentage. The Lakers shot 51.2, which, you know, like we mentioned earlier, that's typically a pretty good percentage. The Pacers happen to have that crazy 64% uh, game, but they shot 51 compared to the Clippers 39. Uh, 39 and a half. Uh, so even though the Clippers killed them from the free throw line, shooting 89 and a half percent from the free throw line as a team compared to 68.8% uh, from the Lakers, uh, that field goal percentage really kind of edged the Lakers into a victory. Looking at the box score, uh, starting out with the Clippers, they were led by uh, Paul George and Z Vika Zubak who both had 22 points. Zubak also contributed 19 rebounds, uh, while George had a block, five steals, three assists, and four rebounds. Why Leonard also had a stellar game with 15 points, two blocks, three steals, you know, having his, uh, basically getting every step you can, especially on the defensive side of the court where he's been stellar again. Um, you know, of course, having been a previous defensive player of the year, uh, he is in his wheelhouse. He also contributed two assists and eight uh, defensive rebounds, uh, which were comprised all of his rebounds this game. James Harden had 15 points, uh, nine assists, and four rebounds. Or uh, four, yeah, four rebounds, two offensive and two defensive. He did have five uh, turnovers, which is a little higher than uh, the Clippers want to see from their point guard, but. Um, you know, still a great game from him overall. He shot three for seven, uh, 43% from the three-point line, and uh, kind of struggled from the field, shooting four for 13. Um, uh, again, Zubak with that stellar performance, shooting all, uh, near 70% from the floor, uh, nine for 13. Great performance by the Clippers, but not quite good enough to get the win over the Lakers. If we look at the box score for them, LeBron James led with 25 points. He had seven assists, eight rebounds, a steal, and uh, shot 58% from the floor, 11 for 19. So uh, great numbers from LeBron James, the king. Uh, Anthony Davis, 22 points, and he also had a block, three steals, 10 rebounds, an assist. And he shot 10 for 15, 66.7% from the field. So great percentages from their two leading scorers. They also had uh, Tarin Prince and D'Angelo Russell. Both contributed 13 points. Uh, Russell also had six assists. Um, and then 
Max Christie had 10 points, three assists, or uh, three rebounds, and two blocks. Christian Wood had two blocks and nine points. And, you know, Austin Reeves, eight points and two assists. Great performance from uh, the Lakers bench on this one, uh, contributing in just the right ways, I think, to push them into a victory. And, you know, the Lakers were also missing, you know, Rui Hachimura on this contest, which, you know, he's not a starter, but he's been a, a pretty key bench player. So mm-hmm. that that definitely factors in, I think. What do you think, Karsten? No, yeah. I mean, definitely would be um, he, he's a good piece to have coming off their bench and, yeah, big win for them in this, especially because they had been sliding lately. Yeah, um, like two and some two and eight in their last ten or something like that. Yeah, just really struggling. Um, what was it that LeBron said after uh, they had lost a game previous to this? Yeah, it's like we suck right now. <laughs> like yeah, that. I mean he is just very blatant, <laughs> blatant about that fact, and um, of course you have people getting into. Uh, some of those same conversations about, well, is Darvin Ham the right coach and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's funny how people how quickly people jump to that when he he was the right coach last year when they made it to the conference finals. Um, so <laughs> and, and was <laughs> earlier this season during the tournament in season tournament, probably, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. And, and, and... <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, we we never know exactly what the right uh you know combination of things is what the exact problem is but uh it, right. it's just funny to note that what were you gonna say i was just gonna say everyone knows lebron's the coach anyway like it doesn't matter who they put as the face of the <laughs> technically they're the coach of the lakers i mean it's you're not exactly way. wrong <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah and and lebron the way he runs an offense is you know very um I don't know. I, I, you you don't want to label it as, you know, ball hogging cuz that would not be the right term, but I mean he's he understands what's going on the flo- going on on the floor at a different level from other people. So, he, you know, you just give him the ball and he orchestrates everything and right. um, yeah. it works out more often than not. So, yeah, the coach the coach thing's funny, but anyways, um it'll be interesting to see um if the Lakers can rebound. I feel like they have enough talent to to do that you know it, it's funny you'd also see people like oh well get lebron and ad some help when they had a really good off season and we thought they had added some some good help to the team but uh you know gabe, <laughs> gabe vincent's missed a lot of time with injuries so that's been a factor but anyways yeah. yeah for the moment good for them to get a win like this especially against the clippers and and how about that lebron dunk on on paul george that was pretty nasty for a, a 39 year old guy getting up there in age and uh vertical (laughs) yeah in more ways than one getting up there (laughs) um no yeah absolutely great win for the lakers and that's it for the five on five drill now again we'll run through the remaining games we didn't have a chance to go more in depth on and i'm gonna see if i can go through this a little bit quickly uh because again my voice is a resource that i'm having to manage as we're going on but (laughs) Perfectly timed voice crack, but here we go. Um, Friday night, we also had the Boston Celtics winning at home against the Utah Jazz. Big one, 126 to 97. 
That's Boston's 17th straight victory at home without a loss or 17 to 0 at home. That's their best home start uh, tied for the best home start in franchise history, along with, I believe like the 58 Celtics. I mean, it's just been a phenomenal start to the season. Um, and that I believe still holds true. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won at home against the Washington wizards, 114 to 90 your final in that game. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets won at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 124-115. to The Thunder nearly made a big comeback in that game, but the Nets were able to hold that off. Uh, the Clippers won in New Orleans against the Pelicans, 111-95. to uh, The Timberwolves won in Houston against the Rockets, 122-95. to The Chicago Bulls won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 104-91. to uh, The Dallas Mavericks won big at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 139-103. to the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Miami Heat, 113 to 97, including Grayson Allen hitting a career high nine three pointers. He has been really shooting lights out this season. Uh, an underappreciated part of the Suns in the season where they've, you know, been mired by, oh, well, this player's out with injury and this player's out, and they're, they're not as hot as we expect them to be. But great performance from Grayson Allen, regardless. Uh, the Sacramento Kings won at home against the Toronto Raptors, 135 to 130, thanks to a, a clutch shot towards the end from your reigning Jerry West clutch player of the year, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, last season's inaugural recipient of that award. He hits a, a kind of a fa- fall away shot to put them ahead, and they're able to hold on to win that game. Sabonis also had a triple double. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies won in Los Angeles against the Lakers, 127 to 113. Uh, and then finally, the Golden State Warriors won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 113 to 109. My prediction was incorrect. Uh, it was almost correct, though. I mean, the Pistons had a lead in the fourth quarter before Steph Curry uh, bailed out the Warriors with uh, it was like 11 straight points or something like that to to drag them to the victory. Uh, so <laughs> kudos to Steph Curry for, for getting the Warriors a victory there um, on Saturday. The New York Knicks won in Washington against the Wizards, 121 to 105. Uh, and with that, it's worth noting that, yeah, the Knicks have the league's top defensive rating uh, in the month of January, which is the whole time that they've had OG Ananobi since making that trade. Again, that's what we were talking about. That's kind of what I hoped could happen. And it's happened so far. We'll see what happens uh, in the remainder of the month, but it's good return so far for the Knicks. Uh, the Boston Celtics won again, this time in Indiana against the Pacers, 118-101. to They end the Pacers' six-game win streak, and that was the Pacers' season low for points uh, in any game this season so far. And they, again, have been the league's leading offense. So impressive defensive stuff for the Celtics. Uh, the Utah Jazz won in Philadelphia against the Sixers, 120-109, to uh, marking them with 33 points in that game. And then... The Houston Rockets win at home against the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, 112-108, overcoming a 48.17 rebound night from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, just didn't seem to matter. Shangun, 21-11, and 11, and uh, probably a well-balanced attack for Houston, was able to get the job done. Very impressive win for the Rockets. And they held off a late rally by Milwaukee. Credit to them for getting that kind of a win. Finally, on Sunday, the Cleveland Cavaliers won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 117-115. to uh, The New Orleans Pelicans won in Sacramento against the Kings, 133-100, to your final big win for them. And the Pelicans, 4-0 and against Sacramento this season, uh, 
and they've so far in January gone three and one uh, after the strength of schedule thing we talked about said they had the hardest strength of schedule in the month of January. They're, they're off to a great start winning 75% of their games in the month. Uh, the Orlando Magic won at home against the Atlanta Hawks in overtime, 117 to 110. Bancaro with another 30 plus point game, 35 points, 10 rebounds in that one. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks won at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 115 to 108. Uh, Anthony Edwards and Kyrie Irving, 30 points each, uh, dueling it out in this game. The Memphis Grizzlies won uh, on the road in Phoenix against the Suns, 121 to 115. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 28 points, 10 rebounds. The Denver Nuggets won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 131 to 114. Uh, Jamal Murray, 37 points. And then finally, the Toronto Raptors won in Golden State, San Francisco against the Warriors, 133 to 118. Uh, RJ Barrett, 37 points. Uh, his season high in points. Uh, they're already calling him uh, Maple Jordan, I think is the, the nickname I've seen for, um, <laughs> of course, the, the Canadian. Uh, himself. I mean, that's it's fun for uh, Canadian to be able to play for the Raptors and to have a, a great game like that. But also worth noting, Otto Porter Jr., of course, a member of the Raptors, did finally receive his 2022 championship ring from the Warriors. Remember, last much of last season he was out with injury. Uh, so finally in Golden State to be able to receive that championship ring. So cool to see that. Otherwise, that is it for uh, last uh, this last weekend's action. And uh, why any thoughts on any of those things, those games, those stats before we jump into the key news? Uh, I'm just excited to see how these trades play out. You know, we have gotten a little taste of it here with the, you know, with Ananobi and RJ Barrett. But I think it'll be fun to continue to see how that changes these teams. For sure, yeah, to see what other moves are are made uh, in an effort to, you know, turn around a season or maybe you send off a player when you decide that your season's, uh, you know, kind of a wrap at this point. You know, we'll have to see what happens. But, yeah, I'm also yeah. excited to see that. But otherwise, um, let's go into our key news. And we got to start with this. This broke just a couple of hours before we started the podcast tonight. Um, for both of us, this was a pretty big surprise because – we didn't really know that he had gotten injured recently. Um, John Morant will undergo season ending shoulder surgery. He's out. And just like that, I mean, it was a, a great story after the suspension. Um, they had a great run with him uh, probably in total, the 10 or so games he played, they were maybe, you know, six and four or seven and three. I mean, they were playing well and suddenly He's out, and now you wonder what the rest of the season looks like for Memphis. That'll maybe be a talking point um, later on in the episode, but for now, uh, devastating news, and we want to wish him the best in recovering from that surgery and being able to get back to uh, basketball and getting on the court as as soon as uh, is best for his long-term health and, and things like that. So definitely tough news there. Um all right, we have a bunch of transactions to run through. I was kind of surprised by the number of moves that were made, starting with the Lakers. They made a bunch of two-way moves, uh, starting with uh, their, they waived two players, forward Alex Fudge and guard Demoy Hodge. Those are both two-way deals. Uh, they've waived them, and they've signed two other guys to replace those two-way contracts, one of them Dylan Windler, who had been with the Knicks earlier in the season, and guard Skylar Mays, uh, who was with the Trailblazers. So, 
swapping out two ways, uh, maybe looking for a little bit of a spark there. Um, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, the New York Knicks, New York Knicks uh, have waived uh, forward center Taj Gibson. It wasn't too long ago, a few weeks ago, they signed him, but now they've decided with some of their moves and uh, things like that, they want to make a, a different kind of roster move. So he has been waived. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers um, tied to the Lakers move. They had waived Skylar Mays before the Lakers signed him. So, uh, But they also waived forward Ishmael Wainwright. The Sacramento Kings waived forward Juan Toscano-Anderson. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks waived guard uh, Lindell Wigginton and center Marcus jo- uh, Marcus Bolden. Those are both two-way deals. Uh, and the Brooklyn Nets waived guard Armani Brooks, also two-way deals. So a lot of players waived, not a ton of signings. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what players might take those roster spots and why so many teams, I, I'm not sure what I'm missing. There was maybe a date of significance where... Some of these moves happened, but uh, for the time being, those are the uh, the latest transactions. Um, another injury note, uh, Chris Paul for the Warriors. He's going to have surgery next week after suffering a fractured left hand in Friday's win versus the Pistons. Uh, he's expected to miss about four to six weeks, so uh, rough timeline end of April, uh, end of February, beginning of March, somewhere in that kind of area. Uh, so definitely want to wish him the best as he works to, uh, as he has that surgery and as he works to recover from that surgery. And then also for the Warriors, Draymond Green, he has been reinstated after what ended up being a 12 game suspension. Uh, he's currently working on getting conditioned and getting ready to return. Um, estimate is maybe about a week's time. He'll be back on the court, but definitely nothing certain at this time. Um, he's going to be expected to continue regular check-ins with kind of the uh, league personnel that were helping him with uh, the suspension process as far as uh, the counseling or whatever that exactly was. Uh, So that will still be going on. Um, And then he also reportedly, I guess he had a new episode of his podcast where he talked about the fact that during the suspension and, uh, all of that kind of stuff. He had considered retirement and Adam Silver, the NBA's commissioner, talked him out of it. A lot of interesting yeah. stuff uh, going on with this. But for, for now, he's back. He will probably make his return in the next few games. Uh, we'll have to see when that exactly happens. And finally, <laughs> uh, congratulations to Jalen Brunson and Alperin Shingun. They were named the NBA's Players of the Week in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, respectively. So congratulations, well-deserved. They will be a part of our conversation for weekly MVP. But for now, we'll go ahead and shift over to our power rankings uh, right now. Power Rankings. All right, another edition of the Power Rankings and Wyatt. I again need yes. to refill on some uh some liquids, so I'm going to let you take it away with your thoughts uh your take on the Power Rankings for this week. All right, awesome. So, looking at my Power Rankings, we had a little bit of movement in my top group, which if you remember last week, uh well, I had a few te- teams trade spots, but I wouldn't call it a crazy significant movement. Except for that, last week the Timberwolves finally earned their, uh, I guess, earned their stripes or 
in my mind, obviously they've earned their stripes already, but they finally got me to put them uh, in second above the Bucks. Uh, so I had Celtics, Timberwolves, Bucks, Nuggets last week. This week they had that spot stolen from them by the Nuggets as I moved the Nuggets up to two behind the Celtics, and then the Timberwolves three, Bucks four. Uh, followed by the Clippers moving up into the top five. Um, I know the Clippers, you know, we just talked about that game against the Jazz where they lost, but the Clippers have been stellar. Like They've been. I talk about it every week, and apparently I'm a Clippers fan now after not liking them for so many years, but uh, they're they're playing well. I'm just I'm impressed that this team is working. Really, it's just kind of a I think it's a shock factor a little bit. Uh, then they're followed by the Thunder, who they bumped down to sixth. Um, outside of that, the Mavericks moved up a couple spots. Pelicans moved up a couple spots, but the Knicks um, jumped up big. Obviously, they made um, a, uh, they made that trade, and this last week they went four and zero. Big week. I moved them up six spots, uh, moving up to 11th, so just outside my top 10. The Magic, on the other hand, fell four spots. Not necessarily because they played uh, poorly. We talked about, you know, in fact, a a great game uh, earlier today. We talked about uh, their win against Denver. But uh, the Knicks' performance and Pelicans' kind of moved the magic down a couple swaps in my power rankings um, despite their some of their good performances last week. He also dropped four spots. Um kind of the same thing. They you know they went one and two so not a winning week but they didn't play terribly just uh kind of the advances of other teams pushed them down a little bit. Other than that uh, nothing too crazy. The Lakers went, moved down a couple of spots. They've been struggling recently. Uh, again, despite the win over the Clippers, that was important for them. But still, overall, they've been struggling a little bit the past, uh, I think, what, 12 games or something. Uh, Jazz moved up a couple spots. They're actually playing pretty well lately. Uh, Nets moved down too, and Grizzlies moved up too. But obviously, the uh, John Morant. Season ending, ending surgery is going to have an effect on that, and I hope that you know. I hope the Grizzlies still find a way to make the best of the season, and um, you know, be as successful as they can be for their future. Um, but interested to see how that goes for them, and they may end up falling again, depending on you know how how they're able to recover from this. Also interested to see. Uh, Pacers, you know, they stayed in the same spot for me. They stayed in spot 13 um, after having moved down a little bit last week. Uh, And then tonight, Halliburton was, you know, maybe sustained a hamstring injury, which may or may not be serious. So hoping they will uh, stay consistent and kind of keep holding on to their spot, keep having these great performances despite maybe not having Halliburton uh, with them for a few games or whatever. I mean, 
obviously we hope for the best. Hope he doesn't have to sit long. Um, but it'll be interesting to see going forward how some of these teams deal with their uh, injuries and whatnot. And like my top, my bottom, like five teams stayed this same. So I'm not even going to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> We're just glossing over that. I mean, yeah, kind of the same. Uh, record wise, it's fairly clear cut as far as yeah, Pistons have been, uh, you know, the, the, lowest in terms of wins and then Washington. Well, I guess actually you have Washington below San Antonio where I have San Antonio as second worst, but um, right. at that point where, you know, it's semantics almost. I mean, yeah, not too much just, of a difference. Literally just personal <clears throat> preference. Cause I, you know, lived in San Antonio for a couple of years. So I'm like, eh. and they have yeah. Wendy. So I'm like, I'm going to put them over. <laughs> yeah. Fair Washington. enough. There's no real, no real statistical reason yeah no fair enough and i mean i guess upside wise you could argue that as well uh for san antonio but no yeah um valid points and i'm glad you mentioned halliburton of course i'm sure we'll have more concrete updates uh on that front on wednesday as far as what exactly that uh injury looks like we're again hoping that it's not anything too severe um and that that won't take him out of too much action but um as far as my top 10 goes or my, my power rankings, I'll run through my top 10 real quick as I've been kind of doing the last few weeks uh, at 10, jumping up into the power rankings, uh, top 10, New Orleans Pelicans. They've been, they went three and one um, record against Sacramento again was kind of impressive to me, but they've, uh, they've been more consistent They're uh, you know, up, up in the seventh in the West. Um, we have a, a little bit more West teams in here than, uh, East teams, or at least I did in my top 10, but uh, they've been impressive. Uh, so I have them at 10 at nine. Also moving up two spots to Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie back. They've been looking a little bit more like the team that started the season. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to hold on to that spot in the top 10 at eight. Sacramento fell down one spot. Uh, they were two and two. So bonus has been dominant. Fox has been great at most times. Um, we just like to see them be a little more consistent getting you know, wins strung together week to week. Um, but otherwise they hover still in the top 10 loosely. Uh, the Clippers moved up one spot up to seven. They're three and one. Uh, the lineup's been working and something I wasn't thinking about the fact that the four stars, you know, Harden, Westbrook, and of course, Kawhi and Paul George, those are all guys <clears throat> that have their roots in California and um, for the most part, Los Angeles. And so for them to all be playing together as former or current all-stars on the Clippers is very unique. Um, I think there was a way you could, you know, slice that stat and say it's the first time that's really happened. Um, so interesting stuff. Yeah, the Clippers doing well. And Wyatt, I'm with you. I kind of like to see them do well, even though I normally kind of root against the Clippers. But it is it is what it is. So um, yeah. at, at six, uh, the Sixers stay out of the top five. Uh, they were one and two. They don't move up or down though. Um, we, you know, when they have Embiid, they're they're consistently pretty great. Without Embiid, uh, they're very concerning. You'd like to see a little bit more consistent play outside of Embiid. Uh, of course, Embiid's been stellar though. Top five, Thunder fell down one spot for me into the fifth spot. They were one and two. They've still been very good, as have been the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe more concerns for Milwaukee. They were one and three in the past week. They only fell down to number four. Uh, fell one spot, but um, yeah, just Giannis having to do a little bit too much 
potentially in Milwaukee. And then moving up two spots, similar kind of what you had, the Denver Nuggets move up. Uh, for me, they're number three. Uh, they were three and one last week. Still have concerns about the depth, but you know when they have their guys on all firing on all cylinders, it's hard to hard to bet against them. They've been great. And then I kept the Celtics and Timberwolves in the top two. Timberwolves were one and three. I maybe could have moved Denver ahead, but um, I'll keep Minnesota there for at least another week. Um, but there's a good chance if they don't have an amazing week this next week that they move down and Denver takes their spot. But that's my top mm-hmm. 10. Outside of that, uh, Orlando fell out of the top 10. New York is sniffing the top 10 after a four and a week. They went up three spots. Miami's fallen five spots. They're middle of the pack at the moment for me. Um, just not consistent, even though they have the nice, the exciting rookie Hawkeyes. Um, Utah up three spots in the 19th. They're 11 and four now, counting tonight's game. But uh, before tonight's game, they were 10 and four over the last 14 games. They've been on the rise. They've been getting some great wins. Markinen's healthy. So I like to see that. And then, yeah, my bottom six actually stayed the same. So pretty straightforward stuff there. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of takes care of our, our power rankings. Why? Any other thoughts before we move on? I was just thinking that, you know, the Bucks have been playing without Lillard for a few games and, mm. you know, kind of like we talked about with the Sixers, you know, definitely not to the extreme of the Sixers, but the, the Bucks are a very different team uh, without him than when been with him uh kind of seems like so you know yeah obviously thankfully he's not out for you know injury or uh anything like that it's just some personal matters but hmm. yeah like well, to see them you know especially with kind of the other uh talented players they have I'd like to see them be able to handle an absence from someone like Laird, Lillard a little bit better mm-hmm yeah, those opportunities, you know, of course, with and this is maybe off topic sounding at first, but in recent, you know, last decade or so, we some fans are, you know, old fashioned fans bemoan the the limited minutes and players missing a lot of games. Um, but if there's a positive that can come from that, it's if if it, you know, star player or, you know, your your two star players or whatever it is missing, you know, 10 to 15 games a year. Those are opportunities for, like you're talking about, those other guys to step up and have bigger roles in games and getting more experience, making sure they're comfortable, um, producing in those types of opportunities, keeping the team in a, you know, a better uh, winning category, helping out seeding, all those kind of things. And it can pay dividends in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that sure. I think that can be positive. So, yeah, I'd forgotten about the Lillard thing. Um yeah, hopefully he's able to come back soon because that's when you're without Lillard, then you're uh, hampered uh, compared to, of course, with him. I mean, that's a, that's a given. But otherwise, uh, I think that takes care of our power rankings. Let's go ahead and jump into an abbreviated version of DEFCON levels. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. DEFCON levels. All right. If you're not familiar with how this segment works, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast, basically we pick uh, a couple of topics that we just want to talk about and we pose kind of hypotheticals uh, to the other person, but we phrase it in terms of 
uh, rating something with a DEFCON level. If you're not familiar with what DEFCON levels are, basically uh, military type term. Uh, if some, if you are, you know, it's a base or something like that, and you have a DEFCON level of five, then you're at peace. There's not a threat to worry about. Uh, DEFCON level four, there's some concern, and then it escalates all the way up to DEFCON level one, where it's basically red alert, uh, everyone at attention, that kind of a thing. So we use it with various topics. I might give Wyatt a topic like, you know, what is the chance that this certain player wins the MVP, the DEFCON level uh, for that player winning MVP. And if Wyatt were to say DEFCON level five, uh, he doesn't really think there's too much to worry about there. But if it's DEFCON level one, watch out pretty high chance that they could be winning the MVP. Uh, hopefully you guys get the point of it from that. Um, and why hopefully uh, we had enough time in the prep. I know that we uh, had kind of a, a hectic prep time compared to some of the other weeks. Hopefully you had enough prep time to, to select a couple of topics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll jump into my first one here. Okay. Um, sounds good. And forgive me. It, uh, it is a little bit dark. It's a little. It's a, a little depressing, maybe. Oh boy! Um, and I can and see a name related to this, and so I'm I'm hesitant. Yes. And you know, obviously, we hope this is not the case. Mm-hmm. But with the recent announcement of Morant's season-ending surgery, and uh, you know, in light of the recent uh, struggles that Morant has kind of dealt with. What is the DEFCON level that Morant uh, flips into uh, maybe some old habits, uh, you know, and of course this is kind of a weird one because we're talking personal life rather than uh, NBA, Hmm. but where he, you know, has some other incident like the two he had at the, in last season um, during this, uh, whole surgery recovery uh, time away from basketball period. Okay. So you're saying, yeah, with the off time when he's not on the floor, you know, the chance that he's in that, that is interesting because of course it wasn't until, you know, about a month ago or maybe a little less that he had played this season. Cause he was out with the suspension from what Wyatt is alluding to from last season. Um, so now where he's not suspended, he's just injured. Would that come back up? Um, yeah, it is tricky. Of course, we don't know these players personally. Um, and that could be true for a lot of our topics that we talk about, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that he doesn't for our purposes. I'm going to, Cop out a little bit. I'm going to go with a mid-range DEFCON level three, uh, simply because, you know, it, the last season and last year, you know, the one short suspension, and then it was a week or two after that. It felt like it was a really short time frame between that happening, that suspension ending, and then the next incident happening. Um, that is an alarming factor. Um, but at the same time, if a guy's injured and especially if he has surgery, that's going to end his season. I imagine for at least the next, you know, month or so, he's going to be more focused on just rest and recovery and maybe a little bit more frustrated that he's not able to be on the floor, probably very frustrated. 
than being in a, you know, top of the world. We're playing very well and I'm an all-star type player this season and let me go have some fun on the side and maybe be reckless that way. You know, I think that the attitude and the uh, emotion that he would be dealing with at the moment would be uh, opposite of what could get him, at least what I assume. Again, we're making a lot of, it's a lot of speculation here. And I, I hope the best for jaw. And I feel like the he's had the opportunity to really mature. And I hope that he's put a lot of that stuff behind him, but I think there's, there's some warning signs that it could happen again. So I'll just go DEFCON level three and kind of cut off my rambling there. I suppose. (laughs) I like it. All right. Fair enough. Um, I will go ahead and give you mine. And again, we're doing a little bit abbreviated. I've only got one topic. Wyatt has two. Um, But my my one topic, we're going to talk about a former jazz man, Rudy Gobert. And of course, the Timberwolves have been, it's been more of a team focus and what they've been doing. Um, A lot of that does boil down to, of course, the combination of Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor at the same time. Uh, Last season, it seemed like that wasn't going to be a positive thing. This season, it seems like it could be a very positive thing. And... This one is inspired a little bit by, I want to say it was 2015 or 2016, where DeAndre Jordan was able to make an all-NBA team uh, with his his defense and his rebounding. Why, what is your DEFCON level? Uh, because, of course, we anticipate that Embiid and Jokic will be the first two centers on uh, the all-NBA first team, all-NBA second team. But there's a third team. Why? What is your DEFCON level on Rudy Gobert making an All NBA third team spot as the third center? Ooh, interesting. Um, hmm. that's a good one. I'm thinking about other centers that you know have kind of been playing well, and I think about you know Zubak with the. Clippers has been pretty impressive um, in in some facets of his game. Hmm. I mean, if you're looking for some other names, I would give you um, Bam Adebayo would certainly be kind of in that mix. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Shengu. Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah Drummond's been names. playing pretty well lately. That's that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, this is, <laughs> a, I, I like Drummond, but that that's a, that's a stretch. Um. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. I think he's playing really well. Uh, you know, really well. I think it's working for them, um, mm-hmm. and he's and he's on a very successful team, which is a you know a big factor for me. Uh. But, you know, picking him over Anthony Davis is hard for me uh regardless of uh the lakers recent struggles and you know they still they won the in-season tournament so it's not like you can really say oh the lakers are terrible you know because obviously they can be very good um so i don't know i'm i'm probably gonna give them like a i'll probably say like a four no okay and and I don't so you know a three is the middle of our scale and I'm not saying a four is in he's 
more likely not to get it than he is. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm just saying it in the sense that like it's more more on the uh, it could happen, but I wouldn't be like totally worked up about it. Yeah, uh, compared to being like red alert, this is you know watch this closely. Yeah, just that makes sense. I think there's, I think there's too many other good centers to really be like, okay, Rudy Gobert's the clear choice. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna stick with that. Okay, no, I think that's. But I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be fair. surprised. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'd probably say something similar. Either three or four. I mean, uh, statistically doesn't have some of the numbers that excite but defensively he certainly has that impact so i think that's a fair rating all right right. what have you got for me our last again abbreviated defcon level here yeah so let's uh pick on the pistons because we haven't done that enough this season and they haven't done that enough to themselves Mm. um (laughs) but And I feel like there's always something with the Pistons in our episode. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is probably getting redundant. Uh, So I'll make note of that in the future. But the Pistons are now 3 and 33, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing their percentage, uh, their winning percentage to to 8.3%. So dipping below uh, 10%. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the DEFCON level of them finishing the regular season with a winning percentage lower than 10%? Um, it's an interesting question. I was almost anticipating you'd go with they would have less wins than, you know, the 73, 76ers or the a lower winning percentage than the 2012 Bobcats, um, which could also be in play as much as I hate to say that just because at a certain point, no matter your talent level, it kind of just becomes a mental thing. At least it seems like it from the outside perspective. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. I would probably say DEFCON level two, just because it's been such, it, it's been so, you know, in your face, just the fact that they have, they're not lacking talent, but they just are lacking the whatever it is that you need, whether it's the the talent gelling together fully or um, situational awareness, um, you know, fourth quarter in, in close games, not allowing games to remain close. You know, there's just been a number of things that I don't, see a reason that those things are going to get leaps and bounds better. And I mean, right. They're sitting just above 8%. The chance for them to finish below 10%, it's got to be higher than not. I just don't see where, where the wins are going to come from. What's going to be the big change as much as I'd like to see a big change. And especially for a guy like Cade Cunningham, who I really like, I'd like to see him do well. Um, He's played very well, and the team has still just been losing games. And right. they put up massive amounts of points against the Jazz, and the Jazz just put up more points. 
or they can get some defensive runs against teams, but they don't score enough points to make up the difference. They they're just lacking something, and I can't even really put a word to it. But um, I it's almost just gut feeling. I feel like I got to go with um, more likely than not DefCon level two. Ooh, that's a, I feel like that's the highest DefCon level we've had in a while. We've been uh, we've been trending towards bigger numbers lately. Yeah, we've been a little bit more. <clears throat> excuse me, a little more trepidatious. Uh, yeah. when it comes to our DEFCON levels, but yeah. Actually, I think I, I said a high one last year, or a low number, rather, or last oh, week. Oh, really? I can't I even remember which Clippers. ones we talked about. <laughs> oh, the Clippers one? Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. But I also, I, I just looked up the Bobcats uh, 2012 season, mm-hmm. and their win percentage was actually 10.6%. So if this DEFCON level happens, they will also... uh you know, have the lowest in NBA history. Gotcha. I want to say this. Oh yeah. It was both. They had the the least wins of course, because they played an abbreviated schedule, but it was also yeah. a worse. It was a worse winning percentage than that Sixers team from the seventies. Um, yeah. Which was 11%. Right. But I mean, yeah, the Pacers on, on pace with 8%. What is that like? Um, I mean, how many wins would that be out of an 82 game schedule? Like seven wins? Uh, I don't know. Let me bring out my trusted calculator. Because I mean, that is just, I think the Bobcats went seven and 59 in a 66 game regular season in 2012. Yeah. Of course, there was a lockout. Um, in 73 would have been a normal 82 game schedule. And I think that Sixers team went nine and 73. Um, the exact inverse of the Warriors record from 2016, where they went 73 and nine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so seven seven wins would give them eight and a half percent, which is about where they are right now. Okay, so seven and seventy five. That would be catastrophic. That would be yeah. just oh boy. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but I feel like it could happen, but we'll, I guess, just leave it at that. But anyways, that takes care of, uh, again, a little bit shorter DEFCON levels. Let's go ahead and move on to the last big segment of today's episode uh, where we name our weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. All right. This week's MVP is going to be interesting. As I was pulling the names together, it's definitely not a week where we have, at least I didn't think, a clear-cut name that's like, oh, we got to give it to them. Um, There's a lot of names that are in the mix here. There's some names that had some lower scoring weeks but had great impact all you know in other aspects of the, of the game that are worth considering. The 10 names we've selected, and again, these are based on uh, individual statistics, but also, of course, winning. We want players who affected winning basketball in the week. Uh, the names we've got are Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Julius Randle, and Jalen Brunson, Jamal Murray, Kyrie Irving, Larry Markinen. So we've got a bit of a jazz flavor. Uh, Alperin Shangoon, Tyrese Halliburton, and Nicole Jokic. So 
uh, a couple of Nuggets, a couple of Knicks, and then a couple of Mavericks as well, and then a spread of a few other uh, players and teams. Um, why, even though there's uh, a lot of interesting, you know, possibilities with this week. I have a name I'm leaning towards, and I'm curious okay. what you might think. But what are some names? Who's kind of jumping out to you as far as the stats go this week? Yeah, uh, like you said, you know, it's not a clear cut answer this week. Last week, I felt like I knew right off, um, but this week, you know, I'm kind of leaning toward two guys. Uh, being near the top of my picks, uh, and and those would be uh, Jason Tatum with the Celtics and Kyrie Irving with the Mavericks. Uh, both of them had stellar performances. Uh, what's the name you had in mind? Well, that is interesting because, I mean, Tatum was the name, but I also was mainly looking at Tyrese Halliburton. I know that we've named him an MVP in the past, but I mean, again, with the 21 and 12, uh, you know, double digit assists, low turnovers, he had the defensive numbers and shot fairly well, especially from the free throw line. He's a name that jumped out Mm -hmm. to me. Okay. I mean, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I Um, I was just thinking Kyrie, the thing that made him stick out to me at least is uh, one, his return is kind of bolstered the Mavericks to a kind of a, uh, a they kind of turned over a new leaf so to speak mm. uh, and then you know nine rebounds 25 and a half points five assists only a turnover and a half uh, which is tied for second lowest on our list mm. and then he he had some surprising defensive numbers too for kind of a uh, you know smaller guard he got 1.3 blocks uh, per game, uh, almost two steals, and then mm. his shooting percentages for the other key things: the fifty-one point three from the field, fifty-seven point seven from the three. Uh, free throw wasn't great, seventy-eight percent. But anyway, I, I mean, obviously Tatum, we both mentioned, had great stats all the way around, and I'm also impressed with Hal Burton's stats uh, mm. as always. He had great performance. Yeah, for sure. Well, in Tatum, um, this isn't a reason to elevate him versus these other names. It's worth considering that we haven't named him an MVP yet, and the Celtics have been a top team. But again, we don't want to necessarily approach it that way. But um, he would be deserving regardless. I mean, 57% from three is phenomenal. Um, Yeah. Nearly 12 rebounds with the leading score of these candidates, 32, nearly 33 points a game. Uh, Of course, a winning record, but also uh, about a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, which is very good. Uh, Had the second-highest plus-minus. I think he would be a pretty solid choice uh, as well. Right. I I, Yeah, he would be. And I also got a... You know, just looking at percentages, I got to throw in Jokic, who, mm-hmm. you know, is wasn't brought up initially because uh, a little bit of lower scoring week than he has, you know, that we kind of expect from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the stellar assist to turnover ratio, 10 compared to about three uh, turnovers, eight rebounds. 
steal and a half, almost two blocks, which is, uh, you know, we don't always see him getting very many blocks. But then mm. his, he shot 75.5% from the field, 66.7 from three, uh, and 83 from the uh, free throw line. So he was highest in both field goal and uh, three-point percentage uh, mm. shooting-wise this week on our list. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth noting. Um, even though, again, yeah, 20 points per game. Uh, we've seen him well. usually hover more around 25, 26. Um, not a reason to go against him I, necessarily, but, I mean, again, you can comparing that to a guy that averaged 33 in the week. So uh, right. definitely worth worth considering. But I, I don't know. I'd probably... I'd probably lean towards uh, Tatum one and then like maybe Halliburton two. Uh, and then just to be a, a homer, I'd go marking in three just because <laughs> at some point I feel like there's going to be a week where all the stars align and he'll be our weekly MVP. But anyways, <laughs> what what are your thoughts? All right. I don't know, man. I The, the hang up I have with Tatum is – the the defensive numbers I'm not overly mm-hmm. impressed with. I I feel like I want to see him getting more blocks, getting more steals, because mm-hmm. you know he's he's a good you know he's a good sized guy, uh, and he's athletic. You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel like he really wants it as much. As, you know, <laughs> I, I I just feel like he's not he's not working on the defensive end as much as I want want him to, and feel like he should. Mm. Um, but you know that being said, obviously he had great numbers all around, and it's not like one steal a game is bad. You know mm. that's uh, you know that's good. Service, His blocks, serviceable, yeah, it's serviceable. His blocks are genuinely like point three a game. I would that means he got one block in the last three games. Mm. So I I would like to see that go up for um uh, his size. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the plus minus score. Anyway, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning. Well, and I could give you a name to complicate it. What about Jalen Brunson? Who, uh, I mean, he was four and zero, about twenty seven points a game with nine assists to two turnovers. Uh, yeah, shot fairly well as as well, about one hundred percent from the free throw line, uh, thirty seven from three. He was he had the highest plus minus. He was plus twenty uh over his four games and they were four and oh. Yeah, I mean the the four and oh is huge. The assist turnover ratio is huge, like huge credit for him. It definitely complicates things. The defensive numbers again for him are kind of lackluster, but mm-hmm. uh I don't know. I honestly I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a wrench in things here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Kyrie one, Tatum two, and Jokic three. Interesting. So Kyrie with the defensive numbers has elevated for you. Yeah. And I can't say I argue with that. I mean, yeah, like you're talking about the Mavericks had slid without him. He returns. And they start to jump back up, uh, moved back into our our top tens, um, scoring, rebounding, 
the assists not as much, but he's kind of almost an off guard with the way that Luca plays. Um, and then had some some steals, had uh, great percentages, good had some blocks too. I mean, playing most sides of you know, both sides of the floor and and a lot of different ways that he impacted the game. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily complain with that pick uh, myself. That's tricky, so. though. The, I am genuinely having a hard time even mm. just ranking my top three. <laughs> yeah. Jokic's shooting and his all-around play, Tatum's offense, you know, his scoring and, and shooting percentages were great. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's all-around play. Yeah, I don't know. We could also it's mention... A tr- it's, a, it's a tough week. Go ahead. Yeah, tough week. Julius Randle was, of course, also 4-0 with his teammate Jalen Brunson. He had 30 points, 7 rebounds. Um, yeah. Turnovers are high, so he's not as close of a name. But Luca with 31, uh, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. Pretty solid, as he is most weeks. There's a lot of great names. Of course, I, it would still be... Uh, in some sort of order, Tatum, Kyrie, uh, Brunson, maybe, and like Halliburton, maybe that would be our top four. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with knocking Jokic off the list because he's always on our list. <laughs> so yeah. Not like he's not going to get another MVP. For sure. And again, we, we do our best not to think like that, but it's hard to not not think like that, you know. Yeah, especially so. when you have a week like this where there's so many good players in the mix, for sure. And 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 some that aren't always, you know. Like I don't know mm. that we've seen Kyrie on here before. I don't think we've seen. Uh, I mean, I think Jalen Brunsell and Julius Randle have made appearances, but never been really considered. They haven't been as highly considered as maybe they were this week, at least this season. I think Brunson did win it once right. last year. Yeah, um, I think Randall at least was heavily considered last season too. I don't mm. think he ever won, but yeah, it's tough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if we did like our our point thing, then it would be Tatum because yeah. I have him ranked second and you have him ranked first. Uh, yeah. Which would probably be an easy way to decide this. Would you, would you heavily oppose if we went with Tatum? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say heavily because obviously I rank, I ranked him two, and mm-hmm. you know his he had stellar numbers all the way uh, in every regard except for uh, you know his his defensive numbers weren't fantastic. And and his assist to turnover ratio wasn't as high as some of these other guys, but also like I don't expect him to have a crazy high one necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I he he's uh he's a great player and like you said, they have been uh you know, the Celtics have been leading the East all season mm-hmm. basically. So. Undefeated at home. They've extended that, they you know beat the Pacers in a statement win, you know, limiting that offense the way they did. And again, the defensive numbers for Tatum is kind of a talking point, but um, I don't know. And, and you don't want it to be, you also don't want it to be uh well, this, 
the team's been so good. We got to give it to one of their guys at some point, but right. Yeah. At the same time, it's kind of surprising that a Celtic hasn't won it so far. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. And, you know, and, and the, uh, the, my hesitation with, you know, just fully committing to, uh, Tatum also lies in Irving's just like, you know, the Celtics, this is kind of a great time in their season, you know, and they're still undefeated at home. So in that regard, you'd like to give it to a Celtic while that's the case. But then mm-hmm. also I'm looking at Kyrie and I'm like, oh, but they just had this, you know, lapse and then he came back and then they, mm-hmm. you know, done good again. And, you know, Irving's not on our list near as often as Tatum maybe is. Mm-hmm. But then there's that side of me that's like, Maybe we should give it to Kyrie. But mm. then also Kyrie wasn't even uh, on your list for top three. So, Well, after you talked through it, I would almost say we could just narrow it down to two and say Tatum and Kyrie. I mean, you, you kind of sold me on his all-round impact compared to, you know, Halliburton didn't shoot as well and Brunson didn't have the defensive type of numbers and the rebounding, so... Um, I would be fine saying it's either Kyrie or Jason Tatum. Okay. Which well then uh, makes it slightly well, easier, but choose? not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think I I have, you know, I think I've accurately shared my mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings on the pros and cons of both. And we've we've never done a co-mvp and that could be a cop-out but it's a tight <laughs> it's a tight race it is a um, tight race what would be your thoughts on that i don't know i i like it uh with regards to giving our props to these two players but mm. then there's also a part of me that's like one it does feel like a cop-out <laughs> but also like well then he's not an mvp there's two of them. You know? Yeah. Most valuable <laughs> players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking NBA history, there have been a couple of co rookies of the year, but I don't believe there's ever been co MVPs at any point. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I will say I'm, I'm leaning toward choosing like that, that we should choose one, but I am open to co MVP. Right. I mean, I I would lean towards, you know, because if we do the co-MVP, that could open the floodgates. And that would be, you know, we don't want to have be doing co-MVPs every week and then suddenly it's not even the same award. So let's see if we can pick one. But how are we going to decide on the one we've been, you know, waxing on this for about 20 minutes? Okay. Yeah, let's let's make our decision. I'm just gonna defer to your judgment on this because I I've uh, you know I've talked Kyrie into the final two, mm-hmm. and I can't convince myself overly one way or the other. Um, and you know I think I think you'd probably be the better judge uh, in the final say here between our last two guys. Okay. Um. One thing I was going to see if I could pull up real quick that could be 
beneficial is the teams that they beat in those games. Okay, yeah. Yeah, strength of their yeah, and you know, I'll I'll throw in Kyrie played one more game, three and one versus two and one. Um, he did he did play one more game. That is certainly yeah. worth considering. Uh let's see. I've got the Celtics schedule and then let me see if I can get Maverick's schedule. Uh so the Mavericks this week, uh uh Monday they lost in Utah against the Jazz. Then they won at home against the Trailblazers back to back nights Wednesday and Friday. And then they won at home against the Timberwolves. So Timberwolves a big win. Mm-hmm. Otherwise the other three. Yeah. Not super not strong. Meanwhile, the Celtics. Um so one of those games Tatum did not play, and I'm curious. Uh or no, sorry, they only had three games. Um they lost to the Thunder in a close game on Tuesday, beat the Jazz handily on Friday, and then beat the Pacers handily on Saturday. Strength of schedule-wise, I'd say that's slightly stronger. Yeah, a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, the Thunder, a close loss to oh, yeah, a, true. a top team. So, Yeah, that's true. And I, I would kind of let that almost be a decision – for for Tatum, I mean, getting those bigger wins. They've been a more winning team on the season. Again, that's kind of a little bit against the weekly MVP idea, but an average double-double across the three games, leading score, uh, g- very good assist-to-turnover ratio, uh, shot 57% from three, 50-50-80, uh, second-highest plus-minus, um, those are a lot of reasons that I would say we could, you know, give it to Tatum more scoring, more rebounding, more assists than Kyrie, uh, yeah. and even better percentages than Kyrie higher plus minus. It was just the defensive numbers, but they had wins against some bigger teams. So I would say we go with Tatum. Yeah, I, I concur. Okay. Well, that was one of our, longer conversations um but sometimes yeah. you know it's good to have those after you know a couple weeks where we spend two minutes and it's like okay i'll just give it to this guy because clearly he was the mvp but a very close race um Kyrie will give you your props certainly uh a name that could have been very worthy but we're gonna go with uh the first celtic to win it this year congratulations to jason tatum and I'm going to go ahead and write it in right now. Um, we're on to the third row of names on this uh, on this trophy. And I'm hoping that by the end of it, I have an actual idea of how I want this to be arranged so that it looks a little bit presentable. But uh, for the time being, it is what it is. I'll go ahead and show it to... Wyatt here. There he is, Jason Tatum nice. on the trophy. Congratulations, Jason. Uh, you're a little ways away, and I know that you were just barely in Utah. Um, oh no, sorry, that was the Mavericks. Um, you barely just barely played Utah, but if you you're in Utah ever again, uh, in the near future, go ahead and stop <laughs> by. We'd love to present you with the uh the trophy, well earned, and that concludes that week's MVP 
uh, conversation. So with that, let's go ahead and shift into uh, the weekly forecast. We're going to go ahead and give you the uh, upcoming games this week so you can kind of consider what to plan your schedule around, what games might sound interesting. All the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time, so keep that in mind uh, as you're planning your schedule. On Tuesday, we have five games, one national broadcast. That's on NBA TV at 8.30, the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Second game of that. I believe they, no, sorry, they just played the Timberwolves. Uh, so, no, they're playing the Grizzlies uh, in Dallas. Uh, your other games, four other games, the Magic hosts the Timberwolves at 7. Uh, that one should be pretty uh, intriguing to watch out for. Also at 7, the Pistons host the Sacramento Kings. At 7.30, the New York Knicks host the Portland Trailblazers. And then at 10.30, later game, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Toronto Raptors. Uh, so some some interesting ones there. <clears throat> On Wednesday, we have 10 games on Wednesday. One of them is a national broadcast on ABC, interestingly enough, at 8.30. Uh, the Golden State Warriors host the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion in Golden State against Steph Curry. Uh, so that should be intriguing. Your other games, uh, four games at 7. Pacers host the Wizards. Pistons host the Spurs. So Pistons-Spurs, your matchup of your two uh, lowest uh, winning percentage teams in the NBA right now. Wemby, it'll be interesting to see what kind of stats Wemby puts up in that type of a game. Um, also, the Hornets host the Sacramento Kings and the Celtics host the Timberwolves, a matchup of the two teams that we had in our top two uh, in a lot of the recent weeks. That should be a, a, certainly a game that I would underline uh, to check out this week. At 7.30, the Miami Heat will host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also at 7.30, the Hawks host the Sixers. At 8 o'clock, the Houston Rockets travel to Chicago to face the Bulls. And then at 10 o'clock, the Utah Jazz hosts the Denver Nuggets. Just a quick note, that's, of course, local access. Uh, Jazz Plus or KJazz if you're on local uh, Utah cable TV. At 10.30, uh, to close out the night, the Clippers will host the Raptors. So that's your Wednesday night. Thursday, five games, uh, three national broadcasts, starting with an NBA TV Broadcast at 2 o'clock, which is your NBA Paris game for 2024. Uh, the Cavaliers, technically the host team for the Brooklyn Nets, but they are in Paris for that game, so that'll be interesting. And then after that, later that night, there's a TNT doubleheader. At 7.30, the Bucks host the Celtics. Again, a matchup of two top teams in the NBA. And then at 10 o'clock, the Lakers host the Suns. Uh, Durant versus LeBron, very intriguing stuff. Uh, remaining games at 8 o'clock, the Thunder hosts the Trailblazers, and then at 8.30, the Mavericks host the Knicks. Then on Friday, uh, oh, sorry, Knicks-Mavericks, Jalen Brunson returning to Dallas. We've already had that last season, but still intriguing. Finally, on Friday, 10 games, an ESPN doubleheader is your national broadcast slate. Uh, 7.30, the Sixers host the Kings, and then at 10 o'clock, the Spurs host the Hornets, the matchup of uh, Wembenyama versus Brandon Miller. Uh, so that's intriguing there. Your remaining games uh, at 7.30, the Detroit Pistons host the Houston Rockets. And then also at 7.30, the Hawks host the Pacers. At 8 o'clock, four games at 8, the Timberwolves host the Trailblazers. The Grizzlies host the Clippers. The Bulls host the Warriors. The Magic are in Miami against the Heat. Then at 9 o'clock, the Nuggets host the Pelicans. And then finally at 9.30, the Utah Jazz host the Toronto Raptors again local access jazz plus or uh, K jazz on your local Utah cable networks. Um, why I already kind of 
picked my game that I would check out Timberwolves Celtics Wednesday night at seven. Uh, is there one other mm-hmm. game that you identified that you definitely want to check out? Ooh, one other one. Yep. Uh, I don't know. That That's a great one. I think, you know, of course the Celtics and Bucks is another big one and Suns and Lakers kind of two mid Western conference teams that should be better than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suns and Lakers oh. would be another one just for the, if nothing else, the Durant LeBron matchup is, is always yeah. intriguing. So, yeah. Those yeah. would be two that I kind of like to participate in. Yeah, fair enough. No, I think those are great choices. There's a ton of interesting matchups this week, uh, as there is most every week. So uh, we'll definitely be tuning in. And, of course, uh, we're back to our normal schedule this week. So we'll, of course, have episodes Wednesday and Friday. Uh, Before we wrap things up, let's do our This Day in History uh, fact for you. For today's, we're not going back too far. We're going back to January 8th of 1997. uh, And this is, of course, the... 50th season celebrations that were going on in 97. As part of that, the top 10 teams in NBA history were announced, and those were named as the 65 Boston Celtics, the 67 Philadelphia 76ers, the 1970 New York Knicks, the 72 Los Angeles Lakers, the 83 Philadelphia 76ers, the 86 Boston Celtics, the 87 Los Angeles Lakers, the 89 Detroit Pistons, the 92 Chicago Bulls and the 96 Chicago Bulls were the top 10 teams in NBA history uh, at this point in 1997. So record wise, uh, or do you know how they, um, I don't believe all of those were clear cut top 10 regular season records. Those are just named as a little more objectively uh, or subjectively. I mean, you know, regular season combined with championship winning, dominant playoffs, dominant players, uh, those types of things. I know that the Bulls uh, in 92, I think at that time had set a record, at least in their franchise. Of course, the 96 Bulls were the 72 and 10 team uh, in Jordan's kind of return, although he'd been back the the prior season. Uh, 72 Lakers had a a phenomenal winning streak in the season. Uh, The 65 Celtics were probably the best team that Bill Russell was on. Uh, and so on and so forth. All those teams are great. Mm-hmm. Hard to take any out. I'm trying to think of what teams as part of the 75th anniversary. I don't remember if they added five teams, but if you add had to add five teams to that, you'd probably add like the 01 Lakers, um, maybe like the, the 05 or 07 Spurs, um, the 08 Celtics, the 2015 or 2016 Warriors, maybe 2017 Warriors for that matter. And then maybe even like the 2016 Cavaliers. Um, just, you know, yeah. quick or, thoughts. 2013 Heat would also be a yeah, great name. Yeah, there's, there's a couple Heat teams in that mix too that would be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've had, a, a, of course, a lot of great teams. But yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. Maybe at some point we'll have our own conversation. We'll maybe name the top 25 teams. Um that would be very interesting and trying to rank those. That could be a fun little bonus episode at some point, but uh, for the time being, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Why any closing thoughts before we finish up today's episode? Uh, No, just, you know, there's a few great games that we highlighted coming up this week. So if you find the, the time this 
I mean, at least here in Utah, the weather's turned real kind of bitter and cold. So chilling out in the warm house, watching a basketball game sounds like a good way to spend it. For sure. I fully relate and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll go and wrap things up. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to see if I can recover from whatever the heck. Uh, I don't know if it's cold or um, bronchitis or whatever it is. It's something that's not uh, jiving with me at the moment, but uh, I digress. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it, your support on the show. Uh, of course, again, our, our social media pages, if you want to check those out, uh, check those out. we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, twi- uh, Twitter, or X, so uh, you can support us there, and of course, we're on all sorts of streaming platforms, we're on YouTube as well, so uh, we definitely appreciate your support there. Thank you for tuning in once again, and uh, with that, We'll be back with you on Wednesday for our normal Wednesday show. Thanks again.